from understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till. She makes it easy and helps keep more money in your wallet. This is For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. Welcome to a new episode of For What It's Worth. I am your host, Rabina Ahmed Haq, and it's an exciting week. The kids are back in school. And for many parents, this is a week that we sort of have a bittersweet feeling about, right? I, myself included. I feel happy that I've got some of my time back. I definitely like the fact that there's a bit of a schedule, like we're all getting up at a decent hour, we're getting out the door. You just feel a little bit more productive. I know for us at the end of August, I mean, bedtime was whatever, wake up time was whatever. And so I really was looking forward to just getting back to a little bit of that routine, a little bit of, you know, just some normality in our lives. You know, a lot of times in the summer, you'll have a friend drop by uh, unannounced, which I don't mind at all. Then all of a sudden your evening becomes, you know, late into the evening and you're going to bed way later than you had anticipated, but that's okay because it's summer and most of us are sort of off or not working as much. That was the case for me for sure. I was still doing this show, still bringing you all those personal finance stories, but sort of, you know, just really slowing down on the other stuff that I do when it comes to my freelance work. And that opened up a lot of space. So I thought I would start today's show talking a little bit about students and some of the realities that students are facing right now. Um, There is a poll out by RBC that says more and more post-secondary students are choosing to live at home because it's simply so unaffordable to live away and live on campus. Now, I think this is a shame. I am a big believer that going away to university is if you can afford it, is something that really is going to set you up for success in life. The reasons are you, for the first time, usually 18 or 19, you're on your own, you're managing your own money, you're making sure that you have enough cash to get you to the end of the week, end of the month, you're making sure that your tuition's paid on time. You're also dealing with things as young adults that you don't really have to um, as when you're living at home. So if there's any problem, say with your dorm or your apartment, say the washing machine not working. Usually mom and dad figure that out, right? Washing machine's not working. Mom, washing machine's broken. Mom does all the work to figure out why. But if the washing machine's not working in your dorm, you've got to figure that out. You've got to find the person that's going to fix it. You may even have to follow up if you're the one that first made the inquiry. If you live in an apartment, you want to call your landlord or you want to figure it out, you know, if you can fix it yourself. So these are all life skills that we learn only by living on our own. So I think it's a real shame that the number of Canadian students has gone from 36% in 2013 living at home to 47% living at home as they go away to university or college. Um, And a lot of that has to do with the fact that it's just so expensive to live on your own right now. Imagine getting into a university in Toronto, so U of T or York or uh, Metropolitan University uh, or UBC or McGill, any of these universities that are in big cities, the rents are well into the thousands, if not $2,000, right? And that's really unaffordable for students who are on a very strict budget. And if that burden then falls on the parents, then they may be going into the line of credit, maybe doing other things to make ends meet. Speaking of line of credit, uh, we got some news this week from the Bank of Canada. They, They are going to hit pause on interest rates. And they say that they are uh, encouraged by the fact that the economy has been showing uh, some signs of of slowing down. Inflation is coming down. Uh, But they did keep the door open, as they say, uh, to further interest rate hikes 
if stubborn inflation continues to rise, because it's still well above where they want it to be. 3.3% uh, was the numbers in July. We'll get the numbers for August later this month. And that is well above their target of 2%. So they still have a long ways to go. Now, if you strip out food and gasoline, which are volatile uh, in the whole basket of things that they look at, uh, inflation is actually uh, coming down at a rate that they are pleased with. And so that really does send the signal that interest rates can stay where they are and they're going to take a wait and see approach. There is another announcement in October. Of course, we're going to cover it here on For What It's Worth. Um, interest rates have come up in the last 18 months, 475 basis points. That's 10 rate hikes since March 2022. For many Canadians who have a variable rate mortgage, they have seen their payments double uh, if not more, in the last year. Now, here is one thing that I am hearing, that economists and forecasters are saying that they feel that the top is near. So if you are thinking of fixing your mortgage, think about how you will feel a year from now if they cut rates and you're still in that fixed rate mortgage at a higher rate. Um, in some cases, above 7% is the rates that banks are offering and that is not a good feeling that you rode the wave up and paid those high, made those higher payments, and now you're stuck at the top as that interest rate comes down. So really think about uh, what you're doing before you fix those rates, um, and and do it in a way where you feel comfortable knowing that you will be making those payments for uh, for the next how many years that you're in that term. Speaking of students again, I just want to round it out with another student story. There is a new uh, data. There is new data out from Interact that says more than eighty percent of Gen Z, Gen Z, I guess, Gen Z in Canada uses a smartphone to pay for everything. So there is an increased use of mobile phone technology to pay for things. So you just leave the house and you've got your wallet in your hand. Why do you need anything else? Now, this is great because it really shows that uh, we are increasingly using the technology that is available to us. Uh, there is some concern because, of course, you don't want someone to see your password. Once they get your password to your phone, they basically have access to everything. So you want to protect that. Uh, but it is a very safe way to pay. It's, it's, uh, it's not something that people need to worry about the security. It's more worrying about who can see your pin. We have a fantastic show coming up. After the break, we're going to speak to Erin Burry. She's the CEO and co-founder of Willful, an online platform that lets you make your will for as low as, this sounds like a commercial, $99. But I think the point I'm trying to make is that many Canadians, two-thirds of Canadians, do not have a will or an up-to-date will. And she's really going to break down why it's so important, whether you use her platform or you go to a traditional lawyer, why it's so important to have a will so that you can control your financial legacy. We'll talk all about that after the break. And then later in the show, we're going to speak to the co-founder of a company called Daily Blends. They are really updating our uh, experience when it comes to using vending machines. So better food, less waste. We'll talk about how they got a seven-figure investment, seed investment to get this company off the ground and how they did it during the pandemic in just a couple of years. We are going to take a quick break. I'm Rubina Ahmad Huck, and this is For What It's Worth. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Hawk. Dying without a will can create chaos for those you leave behind. But the idea of creating one can be daunting and feel complicated. But the alternative is your financial legacy will be determined by others. 
to talk about the importance of having a will and why it's not an overwhelming thing to do, we are joined by Erin Burry. She is the CEO of Willful. Hi, Erin. Hi, Erin. Welcome to the program. Thanks, Rubina. Excited to be here. Erin, there are so many people listening right now that I'm sure are looking at their spouse or their partner or even just looking within and saying, I don't have a will and I don't even know where to start. What would be your advice to somebody who wants to get themselves organized and get a will uh, and get that started today? Absolutely. I mean, the data shows us that about almost two thirds of Canadians don't have a will. And even if you do have a will, there's about a one in 10 chance it's very out of date. It's been sitting in a filing cabinet gathering dust over the last 5, 10, 20 years. And so I think the first tip that I have is really understanding what this document is and why you need it. You know, a will is really a simple legal document that says who's going to wrap up your estate when you're gone, who's going to get your assets and who's going to take care of any children, minor children, or pets. So it's not this really overwhelming, complex thing. It's just a series of three important decisions that are recorded in a document. And so starting with that, what is a will and why do I need one is uh, is the first place to start. And I think that's what it is. I think many people just think it's an overwhelming task to get a will. It's something that they don't really understand. Um, is it as overwhelming as people make it out to be? Even if they, even if they go that traditional route and, and and use use a lawyer and sit down, I mean, is it as overwhelming as people make it out? I mean, the short answer is no. But I've gone through the process of creating one. When I didn't have a will, it seemed overwhelming. So I understand why, if you're listening and you think, "Oh my goodness, it's this impossible task," why you might think that because you probably have some misconceptions that you have to gather your tax returns and your financial statements and know your net worth and have all these documents next to you, which just simply isn't the case. And then, of course, it can be overwhelming from a cost and logistical perspective. You know, when my husband and I, we had a, a family member pass away unexpectedly and we saw firsthand what happens if you don't have proper plans in place. And that spurred us in our early 30s to look into getting our own estate planning documents in place. And when we looked into it, we either weren't hearing back from lawyers, we'd email them and it, our emails would go into a black hole, or we'd get quoted, you know, over a thousand dollars for what was really a simple document. We had a pretty simple situation at the time. So we were overwhelmed by the idea of making appointments during the workday, by paying for figures when we didn't have a lot of extra disposable income at that time. And then, of course, overwhelmed by the idea of gathering all of the required information and really just not knowing anything about the process. So I think that's where people really get tripped up. Now, a willful your company is an online uh, way to, to to get a will. Can you walk me through a little bit about how that works and how some people who may feel like, well, can't is it legitimate if, if it's online? Don't I have to go through a lawyer? Talk to me a little bit about um, what, what the process is if they work with willful. Absolutely. Well, my husband and I started the company really to combat those barriers that we saw to make it more affordable, more convenient and easier to get these documents done from home. What we learned when we looked into it is you can absolutely visit a lawyer if you'd like to, but there's nothing that says you have to visit a lawyer in order to make a will legal in Canada. So you can actually use an online platform like Willful. And as long as you sign uh, and witness the document as per the instructions we provide, you have a legal document for as little as $99. So we've really kind of taken the approach of 
TurboTax, right? You, if you have a simple situation, you don't necessarily need to pay an accountant $800 to file your taxes. You can use something like TurboTax uh, and you can get it done online. So the same is true of Willful. Really, it guides you through a series of questions about your life situation. It helps you appoint those key roles in your will, like your executor or your beneficiaries. And it provides guidance along the way so that if, even if you know absolutely nothing about estate planning, it's going to help you get to the end of the process with very little effort. Uh, and as I mentioned, it starts around $99 and, uh, and you can have it done. Usually it takes about 15 to 20 minutes. But of course, as you mentioned at the beginning, there's a lot of conversations that need to happen with spouses, family members, et cetera. So it can take longer depending on how long it takes you to, to decide on who to appoint in those roles. I really like how you uh, compared it to TurboTax. I think something that most Canadians are uh, familiar with, and uh, we have to file our taxes by law every year. And so most of us do go through that process. And uh, in many ways, getting a will is a lot easier than filing your taxes. And we do that every year. So if you can do that, you can definitely uh, get your will together as well. What are some things that people should consider before they do uh, put their will together, um, conversations that they should be having with uh, with individuals? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest place to start is what do I want my legacy to be? You know, what's important to me? Do I want to support charities in my will? Do I want to make sure that my you know, my my best friends get some of my my prized possessions, like my musical instruments or my baseball card collection. So I think just sitting down and contemplating, you know, what would be meaningful for me to leave behind to people? And who do I actually want to benefit when I pass away? Uh, and then, of course, if you can start thinking about who you would be appointing in those key roles, it makes it so much faster when you sit down on a platform like Willful versus your executor. That's the person that's going to be responsible for putting the wishes in your will into action, handling a lot of the logistics, dealing with things like your final tax return and settling any debts and, and, and closing accounts, whether that's Netflix or bank accounts. So that's typically someone who is pretty organized and whom you, you really, really trust. So start to think about that. And you probably want to ask them first because an executor doesn't have to accept that role just because you appoint them in your will. Uh, then you want to think about your beneficiaries. Who's actually going to get your stuff? <laughs> and that tends to be an easier one because usually it's, you know, a spouse or children or, you know, siblings, parents. But again, you can leave gifts to charity and uh, you get a tax receipt for that on your estate. So that's a nice thing to do. And then finally, guardians for minor children and pets. You know, I uh, by the time this airs, I will have a second child. Uh, but it was <laughs> definitely a big discussion when we had our first daughter who's going to take care of her? Is it going to be my husband's brother? Is it going to be my sister? So that can be a really contentious one because, you know, everyone, that's a really hard thing to think about. Who's going to take care of our children if we're not around anymore? Uh, but a decision is better than no decision because otherwise you're going to leave it up to the courts to decide. Yeah, I can, I can see how that decision, it's like you're telling one sibling that you trust them more than the other. And when that's not the case, it just, it fits better in some cases, uh, to choose one sibling to be, um, to, to, to be responsible for your kids if, if something was to happen to you. But, and you're right. It's better to have that awkward conversation than to not have it at all. Um, speaking of what do we risk when we don't have a will, especially younger people who may, you know, they may have kids, 
uh, but they're not really thinking about uh, their their death and their legacy um, right now because it's many, many decades away. But what do we risk when we don't have a will, especially when we have uh, dependents? It's such a great question. And honestly, I hear so often when I talk to people, well, I don't need a will because I don't plan to die for 50 years or because I don't have a lot of assets. I Wills are for old, rich people. And I always say, you know, it's like buying car insurance. You don't buy car insurance intending to get in a car accident the next day. You buy it just in case. So it's there in the event of an emergency. And the same is true of a will. It's so much better to have one in place before you need it because if you pass away, it's too late. And then your family is is left to clean up the mess. And we've seen that with so many celebrities like Aretha Franklin and Prince and all of these other folks. So um, if you do pass away without a will, there's a government formula in every province that will distribute your assets to relatives according to a formula. So, uh, you know, that probably doesn't match what you would want and it doesn't account for common law relationships. So if you're listening to this and you're in a common law relationship, even more important to get a will in place. And again, if you pass away without a will anywhere in Canada, the courts are going to have to appoint a guardian for minor children. If you have pets, they may end up in shelters if there's no one that steps up, uh, whereas in a will, you can appoint a pet guardian. So you just don't want to leave those decisions up to other people. These are important things. And again, taking 20 minutes to make sure they're documented, even if you plan to live to be 100, isn't a bad idea. Yeah, and I think that people underestimate how much work is left for those people after you pass away if they don't know what your intentions are. They're left guessing as to what you would want to do. Absolutely. I mean, when we look at the reasons that people come to Willful to create a will, the number one is having a child. Number two is typically buying a home or a large asset. But the number three reason is they've lost a loved one. And that tends to be because they've lost a loved one and they've seen either how impactful it can be to have a solid plan and how much time it saved them or the opposite. Like us, when it's not discussed with your family, you realize you have all of these unanswered questions and you're trying to grieve while also trying to track down logistical information like the password to Uncle Dave's Netflix account so you can shut it down. And those are just not the things that you want to be worrying about when you have a loved one pass away. So really creating a will is not for you. It's like life insurance. You buy life insurance so that your family's taken care of if anything happens. And the same is true of a will. It's about peace of mind that your decisions are going to be followed, but also that you're going to alleviate so much stress from your family. You're going to cut down on the money they have to spend on legal fees, save them from having to go through the courts for key decisions, and just make it a lot less of a burden. Erin, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, telling us how important it is uh, to get a will. Well, thanks for having me, Rubina, and I hope everyone listening decides to check it off their list this weekend. Erin Burry is the CEO and co-founder of Willful. When we come back, how a new Canadian startup is hoping to change the way we think about and consume food from vending machines. You're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina ahmed Hawk. New vending machine company is hoping to change Canadians' minds about the quality of food you can get on the go. Called Daily Blends, the company uses AI to offer chef-created grab-and-go meals from smart vending machines. 
It was started by two sisters, Shriya and Purva Gupta, during the pandemic. They immigrated here in 2020, and they started this company because they saw this growing need. With a multi-seven-figure injection of seed money, they are bringing these cost-effective meals to Canadian commuters everywhere. The co-founder of Daily Blends is Shriya Gupta, and she joins me now. Hi, Shriya. Hi, Rubina. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to speak to you because I love a good Canadian success story. And I wanted to start by asking you, tell me, what is Daily Blends all about? So at Daily Blends, we're on a mission to make fresh food accessible and eliminate food waste. And we're doing this through our AI-powered software for fresh food vending machines, uh, making grab-and-go fresh, delicious meals accessible. Um, and our technology solution helps optimize demand forecasting, inventory planning, and customer experiences. Now, give me an example of the kind of food that I can expect to get out of a Daily Blends vending machine. Because when I think vending machine, I think chips and chocolate bars and corn puffs and things are not ver- that, things that are not very good for me. Absolutely. So it's a day and night difference at uh, the vending machines powered by the Daily Blends technology. You'd find a wide variety of uh, fresh, healthy meals catering to uh, a variety of dietary preferences such as vegan, gluten-free, et cetera. So uh, people can find chia puddings, uh, they can find uh, grain bowls, salads, uh, healthy desserts. So it's a wide mix of um, bowls, salads, breakfast options, desserts. Now, um, from what I understand, you and your sister Porva came to Canada during the pandemic uh, looking for different opportunities and started this company. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of Daily Blends. How did you come from being newcomers to Canada to having this company now that's giving getting uh, seven figures of seed money invested into it? Um, so it all started uh, during COVID. Uh, in 2020, my sister Purva and I, we immigrated to Canada and while everything was in lockdown, we started the company. Um, we grew up managing our family-run restaurant serving fresh home-cooked meals. And we had first-hand experience of challenges faced by restaurants in accurate demand forecasting, inventory planning, menu planning, leading to a lot of you know, inaccuracies and food wastage. And then fast forward, we started working in the technology space. So essentially, this company marries our deep passion for fresh food accessibility with uh, with AI, with our experience in AI. That's amazing. I mean, you know, it sound, you're saying it so simply, like, you know, we just thought about it and we put it together. I know there's a lot of hard work that goes into this. And of course, your experience with your parents' restaurant helped. But, you know, this is a whole new world using AI to, to try to calculate what people need, make sure that it's stocked, make sure it's stocked with the right things. How has, um, how has your uh, vending machines been received? Have you been getting feedback as to what customers are thinking about it? Yes, so- We've got very positive feedback on the concept and the experience. Uh, The technology helps us to provide an amazing experience to our customers, ensuring we have the right product assortments available at the right time and the right location with the help of AI. And, you know, as we know, there's a huge need for fresh food accessibility and people care about sustainability and, 
you know, curbing food wastage. So this is where our technology is really helping us and the demand for the technology is off the roof. So uh, first of all, we're glad to have, you know, great partners. We have uh, partnered with leading organizations such as Metrolinks, where we are powering vending machines using a technology. And now we're also providing this technology to QSRs and restaurants to help them optimize their operations so that they can, you know, make their food more accessible and also um, have accurate um, and efficient operations. How are you keeping costs down? From my understanding, it can be as low as $6 a meal. How are you keeping costs down, but quality still high? Um, so for us, making this fresh food available in, in its best form is, is the priority. And that is where the technology helps us. So on a real-time basis, we are analyzing like millions of data points from our different locations. So analyzing data on inventory, sales, locations. And this tells us the exact assortment of products that we need to restock at like the exact time and different locations. Uh, so we're able to make fresh food available uh, from the central kitchen to these locations in the quickest possible time using technology. Uh, our restocking efficiencies are to the T. We know the exact route that we will be taking uh, for the restocking. Uh, on a re we know the temperature for the fridges. So all of this is a lot, like a lot of different data is being tracked 24-7 uh, real time to, uh, to make the experience really great, to keep the costs down. What has your experience been like? As a young woman, you are both in the Gen Z category, uh, so basically new to, also rather new to Canada. What has your experience been like um, uh, starting a startup in Canada? Um, has, has there been any, any obvious things that you could share that really impressed you? And on the other hand, things that you've just found to be a struggle? Um, I'd say it's been amazing. Canada has acted as the perfect launch pad for us to you know, start this tech company. And uh, we're very glad to have such supported, supportive um, customers, um, like local partners, investors, and mentors who are all based in Canada. And uh, it's a very diverse uh, and dynamic place. So it's a great place for entrepreneurs to start their companies. That's so encouraging to hear because it can feel uh, like a like a, a roadblock. Or how do I even uh, get started? How do I uh, shop my idea around? How do I get uh, funding? Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, what your advice is for anyone that right now is like you sitting in an apartment somewhere across Canada. They've got this great idea, but they just don't know how to get it off the ground. Yes. So. Uh we raised around and you know we start this company in the middle of the pandemic right um i'd say it all starts with um you know believing in yourself and having very strong conviction um the sky is the limit anything can be achieved so my advice to other you know young entrepreneurs who are working on their ideas would be to keep building quickly uh, iterating talking to their customers, getting feedback so that they can improve their product and actually find something that is needed by customers. So all these things really help in, um, you know, getting your product out there quickly and uh, also building something that is useful. 
Yeah, that's that's good sage advice. You know, I think if you don't have your a belief in yourself, uh, you're never going to, even if you have a great product, you're never going to get everywhere. It's just going to stay on the kitchen table, on a napkin, and that's going to be where it stays for forever. Uh, Shriya Gupta, you are the co-founder with your sister of Daily Blends. What's next for you in this journey? Where do you want to take Daily Blends in the next couple of years? Uh, it's a very exciting stage for the company. Uh, we recently closed our funding round. Uh, we have partnered with Metrolinx uh, and many other organizations recently uh, where we are uh, you know, using this technology to optimize operations, make fresh food accessible through vending machines. And through our locations, we've been collecting crazy amounts of data that we use to train our technology, which helps in very accurate insights. And as a result, now we have you know, started partnering with other companies, other restaurants, QSRs who are in need of this technology to optimize their operations. So this is a very exciting stage for the company. We're in growth mode. Uh, in, in the coming months, you'll be seeing uh, many more of these machines all over greater Toronto area. And uh, we're just so excited about making fresh food accessible to people. And if anybody wants to, to try your food, uh, where can they go uh, right now if they, if they wanted to try some out? Uh, well, they can go to Union Station. It's at the bus terminal, level two. Uh, our fridges are at Highway 407, Go Station, uh, Bramley, Kipling. And uh, we're launching at many more locations. So for that, uh, I'd say uh, follow us on Instagram and stay tuned. Awesome. It's so nice to meet you and so nice to have this conversation. I wish you all the best uh, with your uh, venture and I hope I hope you have lots of success in the years to come because it sounds like a great product. Thanks, Rubina. I really enjoyed our discussion and uh, yeah, would love for you to try it out as well. Yes, I definitely will. Uh, that was Shreya Gupta. She is the co-founder of Daily Blends with her sister, Porva. Uh, like she mentioned there, a lot of the locations are in Toronto, in the GTA, but they are looking to expand across the country. So you could be seeing one of their vending machines in your local area. So as a commuter, right, it's really difficult to get healthy food on the go. And here is a solution that is not only delicious, but it's also environmentally friendly. It's on demand and it's chef curated. Uh, really interesting conversation. And also hearing about a tech company started, uh, you know, on a kitchen table during the pandemic. Always so inspiring to hear. When we come back, I'm going to break down how more young Canadians, when I say young, I mean middle-aged Canadians, are supporting their senior parents, their aging parents as they get closer and closer to retirement. And the kind of strain that can have on adult children uh, who are supporting now not only their children, but also their parents financially. I'm Rabina Ahmed Haq. This is For What It's Worth. We'll be right back. From understanding a global economic crisis to crunching the numbers at the grocery till, you're listening to For What It's Worth with Rabina Ahmed Haq. That brings us to the end of another episode of For What It's Worth. What two wonderful conversations. And I have to say, I didn't plan it this way, but two tech companies back-to-back, Willful and Daily Blends, offering totally different products. One offering wills to make sure that your financial legacy is secured in a cost-effective way, and the other offering 
grab-and-go meals, again, cost-effective, and all run by women, all run by young women. Uh, and that really does show that there is a lot of appetite for startups in Canada. And like Shreya was saying in the interview that, you know, the number one trait is to believe in yourself. And of course, connect with like-minded people. I mean, I'm not a CEO of a company. I'm just the CEO of my own family. But I know that when I want to get things done, I connect with the people that have done it before and try to understand the process. And one thing I have learned through my many years on this planet is that as much as you can be mentored by someone, you have to find your own path. That's just the reality in life, right? So you can be uh, you can be inspired to be a sports star or a, a musician, CEO of a company or whatever it might be, a policeman, whatever it is. And you can go and speak to people who are currently doing those jobs, but your path is always going to be different because you're doing it now, not when they did it. And even if they just completed, you know, just became the CEO of a company, they still did it in the past. They still went through the process in the past. So that's just my bit of advice from a workplace perspective is that mentors are amazing. But in the end, it's the belief in yourself that you can get it done and finding the way because mentors will guide you, but they're not going to take you there, right? They're going to show you, they're going to point you down the right road, but they're not going to drive you to your location. You've got to do that. You've got to be the driver in your own life. And I think that those two interviews really do show that something that was born out of need for Aaron, she had a family member pass away without a will and immediately her and her husband recognized that there is a need in Canada for Canadians to access wills that are affordable, and that's where their company was born. The same with Daily Blends. Uh, Shreya and her sister, uh, Purva Gupta, realized that there was a need for commuters to access food that was not only nutritious, but cost-effective. Because usually when you think nutritious, you think, oh, pretty expensive, right? And it's going to cost me a lot to eat organic or eat vegetables. I'd rather just get something cheap and easy and get on my way. But they're actually proving that you can get great food on the go, not have to wait for it. And uh, it's not going to break the bank, which is amazing in today's economy because everything feels like it breaks the bank. Um, one story that I teased right before the break is about an increasing number of adult Canadians who are supporting their parents financially. So this is what's called the sandwich generation, right? It's, I don't know when the term came about, but a while ago they termed this generation, the sandwich generation. So those who are responsible not only for their own children themselves, but also their aging parents. And it's becoming increasingly more, although it's always been the case, right? For middle-aged people to take care of both sides, but increasingly more uh, needed as many Canadian seniors are retiring without a pension, retiring without a financial plan. There was a time where everybody who had a pension, everyone who had a job had a pension, and that's not the case. Many people are now retiring and they've changed jobs frequently. They've been contract, they've been freelance, they haven't saved enough money, enough money in their RSP, and they are increasingly relying on their kids to get them through their senior years. And so this can create a lot of tension uh, when it comes to uh, how they, their children are coping financially, those adult children are coping financially. So they're, they're trying to save for their own retirement, trying to pay for their own kids, trying to save for their education. And then they've also got um, financial stress on the other side where they're paying for their, their parents' increased health care. They're paying for 
um, other things that they may need. Now, there's two sides to this. One, there's, this is a cautionary tale. Anybody who right now has young kids, you have to put your own retirement savings first. We as parents often want to do everything for our kids but before we do anything for ourselves. But saving for your retirement is actually doing something for your kids because when you retire, you won't be depending on them to get through your uh how many years financially you'll have the money to do it on your own. And in fact, you may have money to treat them to things, which will make their lives easier. Uh, There was a uh, recent YouTuber that went viral. His name's Caleb Hammer. And he said in his video, and I quote, it is irresponsible for a parent not to be 100% set up for retirement if they have kids, because then it forces them, them being the kids, to financially be responsible for their parents. And he then went on to say how uh, his parents' financial difficulties has really put a lot of him and his partner's uh, goals on hold. And, you know, it created a little bit of a debate whether what he was saying was correct or not. Now, I would say I agree, but I have a caveat. I mean, I don't think that it's fair for uh, an adult child to say, it's not my responsibility to help my, my parents. I think that that would be a pretty callous thing to say. I think that if my parents needed help in any way, that's what you're there for, right? I'm raising two kids. I'm hoping that in my time of need, they will come for me because I've been there for them in their time of need. And it's not a conditional relationship. It's not that I'm putting it that way, but that's what children are supposed to do, right? Help their parents out. But at the same time, I get where he's coming from. That if you're financially responsible your whole life and you don't save for your retirement and you don't put money away for a rainy day, and then when that rainy day comes and retirement comes and you turn to your adult children who they themselves have mortgages, car loans, student loans, kids, all the rest of it, saving for their own retirement and expect them to help you, uh, that can feel a little unfair. Like you should have done the right thing all along the way. So that's, you know, hit me up on all my socials, Instagram, Facebook. That's the two major ones that I'm on right now. Let me know what you think. Do you think that parents should feel their kids can take care of them? Like, should they feel okay? I guess I'm putting it the wrong way. Should it be okay for parents to assume that their adult children will take care of them? Or should it be the other way around that parents should be saving so that their adult children don't have to take care of them? I mean, I guess it's kind of a convoluted question. But, you know, what do you think of the whole thing? Do you think that it's okay for this person to go off on his parents and say, you're stopping me from my financial goals? Um, You know, financial stress can cause a lot of stress in your uh, everyday life, your relationships, the way you perform at work, uh, the way that you feel about your life, you know, so it can sometimes impede your ability to even save for your future goals. So I think it's really important to understand that financial wellness starts when you are young. And if you are listening right now and you've got young kids, you have to put your needs first when it comes to saving for retirement. Before you go on a big vacation, before you treat your kids to anything, before you put money in their own education fund, you have to make sure that you are saving for your own retirement. Because here is the facts. Because a lot of people say, oh, I'll put money in the RESP, the Registered Education Fund, rather than the Retirement Fund. Uh, Your kids can always borrow for their education, but you cannot borrow for your retirement. That is my two cents for you, and you you can do with it what you like, but that is the absolute hard truth. If you are a senior listening right now, relying on your kids, um, it is going to change the dynamic of your relationship. The experts I spoke to 
um, said that it absolutely changes it. All of a sudden, they're the ones taking care of you. You're their dependent. And that can mean that they have an opinion about the way you spend that money too. So something to be aware of. And also be transparent of your needs. You know, if you do have increased costs and your your kids are the ones that are going to help you, be transparent about it. Don't so that they can prepare for it as well. Just like anything else. Like I've been telling people, prepare for, you know, fixed rate mortgages coming up for renewal. You've got to do the calculations now. It's the same thing. If you know that you've got a big expense coming up and the only way you're going to be able to pay it is with your kids' money, you've got to let them know now so that they can prepare for it and you can have an honest discussion about it as well. I want to thank you so much for listening to the program today. Thank you to James Petrovic, our technical producer. Thank you to you, the listener, for tuning in. I hope you got something out of the show. Maybe you're encouraged to start your own business. I feel like I am. Two tech entrepreneurs back-to-back telling us, you know what? We started this business is flourishing and it's helping Canadians. So what a nice positive uh, show today, not necessarily talking about, you know, all the things that are wrong with our finances, but really how we can, uh, what we can do to actually improve our finances. I will see you here next week. Same time, same channel. I'm Rubina Ahmed Huck, and this is For What It's Worth.